This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This week, the Clarets face a Crystal Palace side at home, hoping to capitalise on some good points on the board. This is the Known and Ever podcast. Hello and welcome to the Known and Never podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Join- Natalie Bromley, not Natalie Joining. I keep saying that into my introduction. Natalie Bromley and joining me this week are my colleagues, as ever, Tom and Richard, where we are celebrating an absolute humdinger of a game at Turf Moor, a 3-3 draw at home to Crystal Palace, another point on the board and a thoroughly entertaining game. Tom, let's start with you. What a bonkers game that was. Yeah, I think I've just after after a few days of uh, seeing Christian Bende, Benteke running clean to run goal every time I shut my eyes, I think I've just back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a crazy game, Rich. It was one of those where I think at no point there was probably about a period for about twenty minutes in the second half where we could all just hold our breath, like just start breathing again. Normally, it was edge of the seat stuff. Yeah, great game at Turf. I thought it was a proper. You know, end to end game. Um, I thought both teams looked really threatening going forward, and I thought, and I thought both teams looked really, really weak at the back. Um, at the end of it, you know, I know we're going to talk about it with Vidra's miss. He was disappointed going off, but at the, at the same time, it was easily one of those where we where we could have lost. So we do need to tighten up at, at the back. But yeah, it, you know, it, it was a great entertainment for a Saturday afternoon, anyway. Yeah, it definitely was. And, and obviously, Tom Rich has already picked out a couple of the key talking points from that game of the weekend. The first one being how, if we can, solve the problem with our defence or actually what the hell is the problem with our defence because it's quite difficult to put your finger on it. Um, and secondly, how we tighten up generally to be able to get some points on the board to do enough to survive this season. Um, let's start with that defence then. Um, you kind of expect if you're going to score three goals at home that you're going to win the game. But I am look, keep looking back at them and I think all three of those goals that we conceded at the weekend were pretty disappointing from a defensive perspective. Yeah, I think you're right. And there's, there's kind of different problems for each one as well, I'd say, which is a bit of a worry. So if we take them goal by goal, the first one, obviously, 
the header away is not great from Corne. Uh, I'm loath to criticise him too much because it's, obviously it's not his game to be clearing balls out of our own penalty area, but it is a poor header. Mm. I think a problem that we've had that we've got this season that we've not had in the past, we've always been a team that defends very narrow and lets crosses come into the box. And I don't think we're dealing with them this year anywhere near as well as we have in past years. So you saw that with that, the header's only half cleared. The ball's back to Benteke and something that frustrated me a lot in the first half was that in our in in our third of our defensive third, we seem to allow every, every player to have one or two touches just to set himself on the ball and do what he wanted to do. The pressing wasn't good enough, I don't think. So Benteke has the touch, gets out of his feet, gets the shot away, which in my mind he shouldn't be allowed to do. Obviously, it gets the Nikot Tarkovsky and it goes in off the post. You can say they had a bit of luck, but at, at the same time, it's not great defending for me. The second one, I think the, the major problem that we've got above all else, and we spoke about it on here a few times this year, is the midfield. It's so easy to go from attack to defence for Palace to just bypass the midfield with that ball forward. Um, Gallagher is a good player. Uh, I was impressed with him on Saturday, but he beats Taylor far too easily. Taylor just commits himself. We think we spoke about him making the odd error this season as well defensively, and that was on display again. It was too easy to get round him. And then because Taylor's come so far across and committed himself, there's a tapping for Benteke on Taylor's side. And then the third one, I mean, just the horrendous defending. I mean, I, I don't even know where that's come from, but, you know, the the, the, the ball comes in, the header's won. Um, it's a good save from Pope, the first one, and you're thinking, oh, we've got out of jail there a bit. And then there's four blokes on the line. Nobody thinks to come out and try and close the, the angle down, close the shot down. It's uh, what, they, what they are thinking, I don't know why none of them think to go out and try and close that down. He's got all the time in the world to pick his spot. Slams it off Ben Mee's arm, so it's probably a good job it went in, because if it hadn't, it would have been a red card and a penalty, I think. Um, but yeah, horrendous defending for all three of those goals. And that first half, honestly, I mean, I, I was in a bit of a, a panicked mood when I got to the ground because I got held up in traffic. I was only there about a minute before kickoff, but it didn't calm my nerves any that first half. We were all over the place. We Palace looked like they wouldn't score every time they came forward for me. And I think if we'd have gone in at half-time level, it would have massively flattered us. So, yeah, really, really poor defensive performance that first half. And I think a lot of the individual problems and a lot of the elements of issues that we've had this season encapsulated in each goal. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. I think the third one for me specifically, we had five of our players pretty much on the line for that goal and nobody managed to stop it and nobody managed to just close down that that attacking. It was just very, very, very disappointing. Um Rich, we're talking a lot about individual errors and I think we can talk about Pope not quite being at his best this season, um, possibly down to that knee injury and, and a few individual errors. A lot of people are sort of suggesting that Tarkis maybe got one eye out of the door, which I think is pretty unfair, to be honest, but um, th- there's all sorts of, of, of question marks. But then actually, when you break it down and you think, well, OK, what do we replace in defence and who do we drop? It's kind of hard to single out one individual. That that comment about Tarkin not trying is really annoying me. I know you yeah. I know you don't think that, but you're saying it's just absolute complete nonsense. If anyone says someone said that to me in, in the pub on Saturday and I just walked away from them because yeah, it's an absolute it's nonsense. It's just it's 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 just an easy comment. But I actually the second goal was the worst than the corner for me. The corner's just a one of them with scrambling. I think Benteke is fantastic in the air. We've lost it at the back post. And then from there, we're, we're, we're scrambling that second goal. The ball's gone out wide from the goalkeeper. We struggled with that all game with the way they you know, they played. I thought it was really interesting how Anderson passed it to, to Guaita first. And 
to you know to me with pressing i've mentioned it before we seem to be like we we don't know to fully commit or to fully stay back at times and yeah. we get caught in no man's land and you know and i've said this before so it was literally a ball over the top bad defending from taylor he dove in and, and he's and he's just slotted it in it and you're like which we've, we've got back in the game to be winning 2-1 why are we so open mm. um i think I personally think the main the main issue is is that we're just weak in midfield. Um, yeah. I think I love Westwood. You know, you can't knock these lads and Brown or they give hundred percent, but you know they're just lacking quality now, and it's very difficult when you're playing in a two versus a three. And I think more and more teams now are, are just becoming so much better at passing out from the back. You know, I know Tom's never really liked it uh, in the past, but I think teams now are. You don't see as many goals given away at the top flight with with teams playing it out from the back, and it's a good way of getting up 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 the pitch essentially. And and I thought Gallagher was excellent. You know, you're looking at the team we've got. Imagine if we had a Gallagher type player in in in, in our central midfield. How much better, um, you know, we would be. And for me, defensively, if we keep going the way we are going, we you know we we or we or we will get relegated. You know we can't can, can, we we can't keep conceding the goals that we are doing. You know we've only kept one clean sheet in about 16, 17 Premier League games, and that was against a very very average Norwich side. And you know, we're scoring more goals, and and we've got Carney and the team now who can score. It's a difficult one to know what the answer is. I'm you know I think we're we're still pressing up a little bit too high. I would like because when we are in our shape, you know we do look pretty good still defensively and. Second half, we looked a lot better. Uh, it's that old adage, doesn't it? You know, I think you have more protection when you go four five one, but we lose a lot of our attacking threat when we go that way. And it because we've not got that ball playing midfield, and it doesn't suit us. Yeah, that that's the problem, isn't it? We don't we don't necessarily have them. Well, I say that we scored quite a lot of goals recently. Um, so actually, we are starting to score goals, and I think one of the things that that Jamie Smith and his team said on the newsletter this week was that. It does feel a little bit easier in terms of relegation fears because the teams that tend to struggle at the bottom are the ones that don't score goals. We are scoring goals at least, so that does take away some of the pressure um, from a survival perspective. Um, I think, Tom, Rich has very much put hit the nail on the head there when he talks about our problems in midfield. Um I I love Westwood and I love Brownhill, but Brownhill to me is a massive weak link, weak link at the moment. He is just not strong enough in that midfield. He doesn't pass effectively enough. He loses the ball. He's muscled off the ball quite a lot. And a lot of the time he's facing midfielders that are just quicker and stronger than he is. He's quite, he's not a strong physical player. Um, and, you know, there's nothing he can do about that. That's what he's being asked to play in a role that requires that kind of, athleticism and strength and he doesn't have that in his armory but then looking around the club bringing Jack Corkin doesn't necessarily solve that problem either does it we have got we are starting I think to face the realities of an underfunding and an underinvestment in that central midfield for what how many years yeah absolutely and Brownell's been the only sort of midfield purchase I think in the last few years Cork I think you've seen in the appearances we've had from him this season. I mean, you could argue maybe he's not had a run of games to get up to speed, but it looks to me like his legs have gone. I remember in that Spurs League Cup game, there was a ball where he pushed it two yards and he still got beaten to it. Um, 
Brownell for me. I think he works really hard. He puts himself about. He's always top of the interception statistics for for whatever that's worth. But I, on the ball, he doesn't really give us anything for me. He doesn't score. He doesn't assist. And then you see from, uh, you know, like you said, the game on Saturday, he wasn't even um, winning the midfield battle. So I, I, I'm with you. I don't think he's quite up to the Premier League level. I don't think bringing Corkin's the answer because it looks to me like his legs have gone. So do you play those three together? Not where when we've done it. I think the only answer really is to try and muddle on until January and make that an absolute priority position for the transfer window. And if we have to spend a little bit over the odds to to get someone in who's going to improve us, then that's what we need to do. For me, Westwood is okay. I think you can see what we get from Westwood assists. We yeah. get a few goals off them balls that he puts into the box, not just from the set pieces, but from open play as well. That ball he put in for Rodriguez against Chelsea. So I, I, I'd keep him in the team for me, but we need someone with not just legs, but with a bit more quality on the ball. Just like Rich says, we haven't got a ball playing midfielder really. Um, and we need someone who can just, a Stephen DeFore type, dare I say, can just put the foot on the ball, dictate the tempo, spray it about a bit. So, yeah, for me, the only way we're going to answer that is is by spending the money in January. And as you say, we've not spent that money for, for the last few years. Mm. What What do you think about Richard's suggestion? Sorry to stick with you, Tom. What do you think about Richard's suggestion that there's maybe a formation change that needs to be done here? You know, do we look at... Oh, no, sorry, Richard. Did you not say that? Did I make that up? Sorry, Rich, go on. I don't want us to change formation because oh, we've okay. not got the personnel for us. I don't want you to be saying that. <laughs> I'm just saying it's that... What? You know, it is, you know, in Brownell and, and Westwood's defence, it's very difficult. You know, they're playing against Gallagher, Kuwata and Milivojevic. It's very yeah. difficult when, you, when, you, when you're playing against the three. What my point is, I would actually like us to, I would like us to play. I think the way modern day football is, I think now you have got to play 4-5-1. I'm not saying you have to, but I think it's the, or, or, a, or a variation of 4-5-1, 4-3-3, 4-2-3, Whatever you might want to call it, I just don't think we've we've got the personnel um, to to do it. Um, you know, that's what I was more you're saying rather than saying Richie's suggesting a formation change because because I'm not because I know people will come back and call me. Understood, Chief. Understood. So, Tom, bearing that in mind, if we are to think about Richie's possible suggestion that we get the personnel to enable us to have a um, a bit of a, a change around. I guess what kind, who gets dropped in that formation that we have now? Let's say we bring in a central midfielder, we can go three in, in central midfield. At what expense though do we do we keep Corne on? How the hell does that work? Because we've got to fit Corne into this, and I wouldn't be dropping Wood. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think you could play Corne as a, a lone centre forward either. I think no. that's asking a lot of him. <laughs> I think what you probably have to look at, if say, if we say just. All we're getting is that one midfielder. You'd probably want someone who sits a bit deeper. Um, I'd pull Westwood back behind him, and then you'd look at maybe someone like McNeil in the ten, um, and you can play Johan and Corne wide, you know, cutting inside or whatever as they go, and then Wood as the centre forward. I think that's the only way to really make four or five one work with the personnel we've got. But it comes back to what Rich said in terms of the personnel. I mean, you, we could just about piece together a four or five one, but would it be an effective four or five one? We've got a squad who's been built for 4-4-2. We've got a man who likes to play 4-4-2. That's what all the signers have been geared towards for a number of years. Personally, I don't necessarily agree with what Rich, when Rich said, you know, that the way modern football is going, you have to play, uh, you know, three in midfield and, and one up top. I think we've probably shown the last few years we've not really done that at all. And, you know, 
relative to our budget and everything, we've been successful. So I wouldn't say it's we necessarily have to go four or five one. I think it would be nice to have the squad options to do that at, in, in certain games or at certain times. And like I say, maybe you, you could you could just about see a formation where we played two deeper midfielders and then, you know, the three behind Wood would be Corney, Goodmanson and McNeil in whatever combination. Um, but I think that's that's the only way we could make that work for me. And we'd have to look at, if we were going to, if we're serious about doing that, we'd have to probably have a bit more investment in midfield, probably two or three new midfielders to do that, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a really difficult one. Um, and it does feel that over all of this and you know all of these tactic suggestions and all of these solutions that we've got you've also got to rely on a manager who's very particular in his approach to games and likes a certain way of playing to move away from that and try something different so you've also got to question whether he has that in his armory to be able to effectively coach those players to do it I have no idea we've never we've never had to question that because He's found a way to keep us in the Premier League as long as he has, and that is the way that he's playing. So we actually have no idea how effective he would be with coaching a different formula. So it's it's a very well the season we come seventh, Natalie. We were we were we were fourth in December by playing five in midfield. True, that is true and, actually. But that all depending of on you know what Tom was saying. You have got a when you had a top top class midfielder, you can do that. Someone who can link between defence and attack and all. What Tom said there, he doesn't agree with me, but fair enough. So, obviously, we have gone done 4 4 2, but is that a reason why we've been in the relegation battle? I've been 17th and 18th for pretty mm. much 18 months now because football is evolving and, and yeah. we're still playing enough. You know, I'm not saying that we, sh- you know, we should do it every game. It, like, like Tom was saying, it, it would just be nice to have the personnel where we can, you know, maybe go, go away from home or depending on who we're playing against, change it up a little bit. Uh, I would, I think an effective formation for us could be the, you know, the five-three-two, because you can still get mm-hmm. your two strikers, and you can still get, you know, and you might have a little bit more solidity. But I, I really don't see Dyche going to that. No, we have the ability to do that. Collins looks like a fantastic player, and actually, we, that brings us on to that. Rich, we are because of Tarkovsky's ridiculous. Um, yellow card on on Saturday, which will I, I just I still can't believe that he got that, which was ridiculous. Um, we are going to miss him for the Spurs game, so Collins is going to come back in there now. He's really impressed since he came in, and if he has a really solid game alongside Ben Mee, does that give either a does that give Dyche a confidence to maybe try bolstering that defense and going five at the back, or if not? Does he there maybe have an opportunity to drop one of me or Tarkovsky and try something different? How do you Collins feel about is that? Collins is an out is is a very good player and he's done well when he's when he's when he's coming. This is what I you know I mean. It's kind of like game by game. Why would you drop Tarkovsky? Is <laughs> bar one goal this season? He's he's been outstanding in my that that that's just my opinion. You know, we made a mistake at Southampton. It was only the previous game where we defended outstandingly against Chelsea. Yeah. You know, and me and Tarky were brilliant. You know, football, I think some, and this is where I think why Dice, you know, and I'm, and I'm as bad as anyone for doing this and being emotional. And this is why Dice is so good at his job because he doesn't just look at it on a game-by-game basis. Um, so, yeah, if, ta- what, so, no, I wouldn't go 5-3-2, not in that particular... I think the certain games, I think away at Chelsea is an option where we could do it. But I think, you know, going into 
this is the issue, you know, we're going into crunch games and, you know, you, you stick to what we know. I think it's just kind of a, just, just suggestions on how we do with that, maybe long-term rather than, in the, rather than in the short term. I'm not that worried about, I'm not saying I'm, I'm not worried because I'd rather target playing, but I feel more comfortable in Collins coming into the team yeah. than Cork coming in for Westwood. Westwood frustrates me a lot of the time, but he's is, is still our best central midfielder. And like Tom said, he's the one person who, who can get an assist. He has got a goal in him. So I do worry, worry, worry about us with Cork and Brownell in midfield against Tottenham um, under, under Conte, who, you know, his teams will play, you know, will, will, will play at a high intensity. I know we'll come on to that later, won't we? But yeah. Yeah, well, we can stick on it now. Like, why not? No, no time like the present. Um, how do, I guess if you take if you take that strategy, then and you obviously you're talking about taking things on a game by game basis. Do you then just think that we just write off the home game against Spurs, or and if that is the case, is this not the ideal opportunity to try something different? Because what we're saying briefly is, is like, yeah, we should really stick to what we know because that's our best chance of surviving. But we've been in the bottom three all of the season and we're still, what we were nearly at one point, if Leeds hadn't have, have lost that game, we'd have been four points away from survival. So I'm not entirely sure that sticking to what we know and what we're good at is going to see us survive this year. So what, how do you approach Sunday then, Rich? I don't agree with the comment. Should we write the home game off against Spurs? I think not okay, a, not writing off is a bit harsh. You know what I mean? It's like not, it's a, not a game we're expected to win. Like if we lose that game, it's not they're not the games that define the season. But you but you've got to win games at some point against these big teams. You know, man. You know, I'll just put it on the on the on the other foot. People say Man United and this, that, and the other. Do you think we'd have gone into that? Do you think we'd have gone into that Man United game expecting to win, even in their form? We wouldn't have done, would we? So, no. top, top, Tottenham weren't great against Leeds. They were they were very That's average true. against an average Leeds side this year. You know, you've got to look... This is what I'm trying to say is, yeah, on a game-by-game -game basis, you know, you might want to change the odd thing. I'm, I'm maybe talking about going away to City, go, you know, but, but, not, but not yet. I don't think it's panic stations just yet. I think if it's still a position... We're, we're quite out of touch maybe towards Christmas and January, then we need to use the transfer market like I think we will do. Um, no, I, I wouldn't change anything different for, you know, for the Tottenham game. I think just, well, I know what Dice will do anyway. He'll just bring Cork in for Westwood and, and Tarka will come in for Collins. Um, yeah, I know we just said Collins will come in for Tarka, yeah. So I just think I'm talking about more long-term. I think we can, we've, I think as, if we do stay in the Premier League and, I think with Alan Pace's reign, I think we'll get a bigger and and better players in the squad where where we can have a little bit more lee, lee, leeway to change. But I think doing it at this point, where ultimately, yeah, we're still not out of the relegation zone and, and we're still not maybe turning them draws into wins. We've only, you know, you can look at it one way and say we've only lost one in seven, and that was away to City. So we're not a million miles off and you know we've you know we've got some decent games coming up in December, so I, I feel a lot more positive than I do than when I come on this analysis show against Southampton, where I thought we were quite mm -hmm. far actually against not a team who was near us. And you know, going back to the Palace game, I I, I think Palace will be top ten this 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 year. I think they look a real match them. We matched yeah, them. Yeah, we did. I felt half, we're the best team. Yeah. You know, we've we've talked about the first half, second half really. 
bar that bar Zahari in the crossbar, we were the ones taking the game to then and and, and probably with the better team. So you yeah, know, you know, their last away game, they went to the Etihad two 0 This is this is what Tom said though, and and it and it did make me laugh. So like I said, oh, it's a decent draw, you know that because they're a decent side. And and Tom replied back to my comment saying, well, they're all decent sides in the Premier League, and I think that's our issue now. I think. This season, in my opinion, is the highest standard I've seen it of the yeah. Premier League. Yeah, and that's a worry. It does feel like naturally we are one of the third top, the worst three teams in the division. And that's not necessarily because we've gone really, really awful. It's just like you say, the standards got ridiculous. Um, Rich, I'm loving it, by the way, but this is this is a wonderful, the, the voice and calm and reason on the podcast. I'm absolutely loving it. It's like, <laughs> more of this, please, Rich. This is amazing. Normally you, you're animated and, and I love it. You're just like, no, you know what? Chill, chill. We're all good. We're all good. Um, Tom, let's, before we move on to a couple of things, um, firstly, how are you over yet, the Vidra? Are we going miss or are we going save at the end of the game? There's a lot of people saying it was a fantastic save. Um, and can we have a corner moment to cheer us all up, please, especially at that goal? Yeah, I think with the Vidra one, I, I really don't want to criticise him a lot for it because he's made that chance for himself with an absolutely unreal first touch. Like, it's a nothing ball punted down the pitch. There's well to get in front of the defender. The first touch to bring it down is, is, is superb. And if you'd finished it from that, it would have been one of the goals of the season, in my opinion. That, that really was, you know, he's made that chance for himself. And then he scuffed the shot, obviously. In my opinion, he's made the wrong decision. He's gone near post. He should have hit that, hit that low and hard across the keeper and, and he's not saving it. Even, even still, it's a good save. But, and I think the, the frustration is as well, you know, if we weren't in the position we are, if that happened in the second game of the season, say or something, you wouldn't be so bothered. But because we need wins and the, because all the results went against us on Saturday, that's why it feels worse. But yeah, I don't want to criticise him for that because we did well to have a chance at that nothing ball really in the first place. <clears throat> um, obviously, one, one man who doesn't need any help with his finishing his corner, as you say, another superb goal. Every time I talk about, uh, talk about him on here, I'm just gushing. Fantastic again, his energy, technique. I mean, that goal, everyone around us was saying, I'm sure you said the same, the, not seen a goal like that since Robbie Blake against Man United. Just the technique was superb. Watched it all the way and the way it just thwacked into the roof of the net, brilliant. And it's those kind of things that are they're really uh, the icing on the cake, you know, with the, the recent improvement in the attacking performances, obviously so much of it is down to him, but just he just makes every game that a little bit more enjoyable. Uh, yeah, he's he's brilliant. I, I couldn't I, I could talk about him for an hour. I really could. He's brilliant. Yeah, it really is. I think one of my greatest fears this season is until we got Corny, I was I was a bit. I don't know. So I don't want to, I don't want us to get relegated, but relegation really wouldn't be the end of the world. We've got pace at the helm now. We've still got Dash. We've still got a core group of players. And before I was like, well, we'll just drop down a division. We'll work. I feel much more confident now that we'd come straight back up again than I have done in previous years. So I'm like, well, we'll just go down and rebuild. It's absolutely fine. The championships are fantastic league to play football and it's massively competitive. Some great teams in there. You know, we'll be fine if we get relegated. Until Kone come along, because one of my greatest fears is that we do get relegated this year and we only get one year of him and he goes in the summer somewhere else. And I'd be gutted. But like, no, we've kind of got to survive now just so we can keep hold of him and, and keep watching him. That, that's my greatest fear. Um, 
sticking with you then, Tom, just uh, give Rich a bit of a break. Um, surely, surely the whole world can see that Palace absolutely should have been down to 10 men. Discuss that pull and foul on young Chris Wood, please. Yeah, you, you might regret coming to me because I think I've oh. got a different view to the majority of the, the families. No, go ahead. Get Richard's input as well. For me, so at the time, so I sit in the Jimmy Mack office, so I had a decent view of it at the time. And uh, and me and my dad both said, like, he's just gone down too easy there. Like, like obviously the guy's got hands on him, but, and I've seen the replays back and it hasn't really changed my mind. He's got hands on him. The guy's lucky, no doubt, because Wood gets in front of him and you know, like I say, he did put hands on him, but does he does he pull him? Does he drag him? Is there enough of emotions to make Wood collapse like he does? Personally, I don't think so. I, I don't think I don't think so. And if that had gone the other way, if that was Tarkovsky doing that to Zahar, I'd be annoyed. Um, I, I'd see why it was given, but I'd be annoyed if he'd got sent off for that. So for me, the reason that it, it's not been overturned by the VAR, obviously the ref, I mean, why the, why the employee referees, by the way? I mean, John Moss is still getting a gig. That ref on Saturday. Oh, my God. You know, don't. sure they have to have a fitness test, don't they, referees? Uh, how he passes it, I don't know. But, you know, the linesman's in play, keeping in line with play. Obviously, the linesman never have the courage to make decisions like that. The referee's just guessing. He doesn't have a clue because he's so far off pace. I know it's a long ball forward and you do where to catch you up. But, I mean, come on. And then I think the reason the VAR has not overturned it is because the he, there isn't a pull or anything like that. His hands on him, he goes down. You know, the majority of people that I've seen have, have can't understand why it wasn't overturned on the VAR. But for me personally, I, I think you can see enough of a grey area there to say it's not a clear and obvious error. And I think if would have maybe just tried that little bit harder to stay on his feet, he might have got brought down anyway, or it would have been clean through on goal. And I think he just he took the easy option for me. I was a bit a bit disappointed to be honest. But like I say, I'm very much in the minority with that view. You, you are, but I like this. I like to have opposition views on the podcast. It brings balance. I like it. Um, I, I haven't verified this and I haven't fact-checked it, but all of the signs were telling me at the weekend, apparently this was confirmed by Sky, that VAR didn't actually look at it. So it wasn't that it wasn't overturned. The Sky studio apparently was saying that they didn't even look at it. So I, somebody, if somebody who's listening can verify that or tell me that's rubbish then please um send me a tweet and let me know but everything that i've seen has suggested they didn't look at it at all um i rich do you share that view tom did he have spec savers in derby <laughs> over was, to you rich <laughs> it was just a penalty all day long i could listen because because uh because I, I like tom um, so I'm not going to ridicule his opinion too much, but I think it's a bad one. Um, oh, I love listen, it. Tom, you can have, I'll let you listen to me. Don't put your hand up now. Let, let me talk. Go on, go on. If you're going to make your joke. Yeah. All I wanted to say, Rich, was uh, if you thought it was a penalty, I'm pretty sure we might have a different view on the incident, but I'm pretty sure he was about 10 yards outside of the penalty area. So hopefully spec oh, saves are open up in Wigan soon as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, no, it, listen. Just for me, it's just he's got his hands on. He's, he's he's got the wrong side of him, and he's just got his hands all over him. I sit in the Jimmy Mack upper, and it's just you could you could just see it unfolding, and what he did. I think this is the grey area where we've got now. I think I've been on this podcast, you know, a, a while now, and you know we have disagreements over red cards. I think sometimes you can go back to what football used to be like. 
compared compared to what it is 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 now like and what our red cards and what our red cards and in and in the Premier League today that is a that is a sending off and a and a red card all day long and you know I wanted before I really come on this podcast I I wanted to look at different opinions and every ex referee Keith Hackett um, Mark Hall is is it Mark Halsey I I, mm, I, I think that's yeah, his name. You know, and, and just general like people in the media have all said it was a penalty. The referee was terrible all day long for both teams. That's one thing I, I do agree with Tom. He lost control after about 20 minutes of the game. And I I think I heard this, this, the same for you, Natalie, that VAR didn't even look at it. And then you've got the City penalty at the weekend where Sterling goes down and they're looking at it for a good two minutes. And the, and the, and the disallowing would, you know, this is where I'm just sick of VAR, to be honest. But... I know that's another story. For me, we've had a blatant penalty against Norwich where Vidra gets hit, punched in the head by Tim Krul, and we've had that one. Listen, we're rubbish against playing against 10 men, so there is, there is absolutely no guarantee we would have won the game, but it gives us a better chance. And All, all I would say is, in modern football now, 99% times out of 10, that gets given as a foul. Um, yeah. You know, there, there was another time in the game where the ref give a like give a throw in for us and the line give a throw in for them and it was just it just seemed all over the show and then I think I'm, I might be mistaken it's either this this weekend or the game against Wolves we've got like another rookie referee so uh, you know we're talking about the standard of referees like I said my mates the season ticket holders at Wigan I know Tom goes watching a bit of lower league football too you understand why these guys get the jobs in the Premier League because the lower leagues are horrendous Um you know, my mate says he sees a new worst decision he's seen in his life every every week. Yeah. Um, you know, so so I think that's where we're at. But what I would say, go back to your comment about Carne, Natalie. Just I I went out with a girl who was one of the best looking girls in college when 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 I was about seventeen. Same brag, I only went okay. out. <laughs> I only went out with her for for about a month, but anybody anybody enjoyed every minute of it while I could. So I have the same approach with Carne. And then you can think about it as, as as you grow older, like I've done. I I that wasn't an analogy I was expecting on the Non and Ever podcast, Rich. But I I value that input, and I will forever associate Corney with Rich Steele's one month love affair in college. And there we go. That will that it will went down the ocean. I can say that because Kira doesn't listen. <laughs> oh my god and listeners please do enjoy rich Steele's last ever appearance on the none and ever podcast it was fun while we had him <laughs> okay excellent stuff so tom let's finish off um this podcast by having a general view i know um we've been had an hour chat before we came on air tonight um, it's felt like it's a bit a little bit serious tonight. I think we're all feeling a little bit down, not down in the dumps, but a little bit ugh, about the season. Um, you are usually our Mr. Positivity and our Mr. Glass Half Full, but you're you're feeling a little bit concerned about relegation, Tom. Would you like to share with the group, please? How are you feeling? Let's 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 work through it. Yeah, it's a funny one because I think this time last season we're probably in worse shape, and yet. Weirdly, I was more confident last season about us staying up. A few factors in that. We spoke already about the fact the league's a bit stronger this year. There isn't any obvious drafts like there was last year. Sheffield United, West Brom and Fulham, you had to, do, you had to really go from to finish below any of them. Um, whereas this year, you know, we had Norwich and, and Newcastle that were looking to stand out relegation candidates. 
that's now Norwich have won two on the spin. They've won more games than we have this season. And obviously Newcastle, it all depends where they are when we get to January, because if they're not adrift, they're going to spend some serious money on that squad. Um, you know, you look at other teams like Watford, they just battered Man United, they battered Everton a few weeks ago. I think they've won four times as many games as we have this season, even though they're not very good. So I think this is where my concern comes in. You know, I, I hear all the time we're playing well, we're in the right, that we're going in the right direction. And we are, you know, we, we're hard to beat. We've not been, even when we've played like Liverpool, Man City away and we've lost, we've not been battered by anybody. But by the same token, we're not battering anybody. We're not grinding out the wins. You know, we've got one win all season and it, it does concern me. I spoke a lot on this podcast last season about Fulham. Um, you know, Rich, Rich was telling me all the time about what a great team they were, how well they were playing. And what I used to say back to me, they don't win any games, do you know what I mean? And, and that was right in the end, I think. And towards the end of the season, they stopped playing well and they still weren't winning games then. Um, I think I think probably you've made a good point earlier in the podcast that has cheered me up a bit, which is that we are scoring goals. And that was mm. that was the other criticism I level that Fulham last season, they never scored any goals. But what does worry me is what happens if the goals are out? You know, I think at the minute, our season could go one or two ways. We might improve the defence and then we start winning games. But equally, the goals might start drying up, you know, for getting injury to corner or something like that. Or when he goes to, to the Afcon yeah. in January, then where do the goals come from? And, and the defence isn't looking good. So for me, I think we need to be in a strong position when we get to January. I think with this run of games coming up, as Rich mentioned earlier, it's, it's a kind of run. We haven't got many of the really big hitters. So I think we need to be looking to have at least three more wins on the board by Christmas for me, I think. Watford at home, that is an absolute must win. I think we really, really could do with getting three points at Newcastle in a couple of weeks' time because, like I say, if there's not a big gap between us and Newcastle come January, then you'd have to fancy them to overhaul it, even though they've appointed Eddie Howe, which you know, I don't think is perhaps the best uh, best option for a relegation battle. Um, so if you say Watford, Newcastle, you know, the other games that we've got in there, Spurs at home, Villa and Wolves away, that, you know, Wolves are going really, really well. Spurs, obviously, the new manager. Um, and Villa with the, uh, with the new manager as well. They got a win on Saturday. So none of them look like gimmies. But for me, um, going back to the point Rich made earlier, you know, he, he said Palace are a decent side. And I said, yeah, but they're all decent sides. The thing is, the position that we find ourselves in now, we've played 13 games, we've won one of them. We're going to need to beat some decent sides if we want to stay up. It's no good going, oh, we got a point off these, but they're a decent side. Yeah, we've got a point at home to Palace, they're a decent side. Yeah, they are a decent side, and they've only lost two this season, which, which proves the point. But at the same time, we've dropped points at home to Norwich, who aren't a decent side. You know, we've dropped points at home to Leeds, they're not a particularly good side this season. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if you drop in those points in those games, you've got to make them up somewhere else. And if who are we doing that against? Do you know what I mean? It's at the minute, even though we are playing well, there's not that many games where. We're, you're actually thinking, oh, we would have, you know, breezed over the line there. That Palace one, we could have won it, but by the same token, we could have lost it. So to me, it's a crucial period now coming up between now and, and Christmas. We really need, in my opinion, to have three wins at least on the board. We can't afford to be caught adrift in January when Cornet goes and when Newcastle starts spending. Because I think if we are still in the relegation zone, or you know, even only a little, a little bit above it at that point. Uh, we are really going to struggle to find three worst teams than us in the second half of the season, I think. Ugh, uncomfortable listening, Rich, but I think it's it's hard to argue against what Tom said there. I know you're a bit more confident about survival. Um, there does just feel 
I, one of the points actually I just pick up on, on uh, one of the stats that, that Jamie Smith managed to pick out of the newsletter this week, we've actually outscored Arsenal, Wolves and Spurs this season. We've scored more goals than them. And United have actually conceded more goals than us. So it does feel a little bit odd where we are in the league. Um, but it's, it's hard to argue with what Tom said there. It, I can't really find a counter-argument. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with everything Tom said there. Um, I'm probably going to burst your bubble here, Natalie. I don't um, necessarily feel more comfortable than relegation. I just think I felt more positive initially after ah, the Palace game than, than, than Tom. Like I, <laughs> I think we were, you know, me and, me and Tom kind of flipped situations on the Southampton game a little bit um, too. I, I genuinely think it's 50-50, where, where, you know, whether we're going to stay up. It's a long season. But, you know, ultimately, we are near, pretty much nearly, by the time we play Sunday's game, we'll be over a third of the way through the season. Um, you know, and, and, the, and the likelihood is after Sunday's game, we'll probably still be in the relegation zone. I think Saturday's point looked worse because all the teams around us won. Say if United did beat Watford and was only one point behind them, you know, they've got some tough, their, their next three, they've got Leicester away then City and Chelsea at, at, at Vicarage Road. So, you know, the, you, you would have thought they're not going to pick many points up out of those. Out of those. You know, one, one team we've not mentioned is Brentford, who looked terrible oh, yeah. against us, who I thought were going to be world beaters. So that's one I got wrong on that podcast. Um, you know, I think before the game we played them, we was about 10 points behind them or some, or maybe not that much. We were about seven, eight points behind them and, you know, we're four points behind them now. So, that just shows how quickly football um, can change. I just agree with Tom, I think, and, and as I mentioned earlier, the sides at the bottom are just are just better this season. And you know, we've been playing well for most parts of games and just been making silly mistakes or having really bad moments. You, know, you go back to that first game at Brighton at home, completely in control, had a bad ten minutes. Everton away in control. Uh, had a shocking 10 minutes where we conceded three. Leicester away where we conceded, you know, late on and, and didn't get the rubber the, rubber the green. I think the rubber the green's not gone our way so far with officiating this, this decisions too. Uh, you know, we may get one of, you know, one of those, but it's one of them, isn't it? You know, some, it seems like every season we, we, we go on a mini run and, you know, let's say we, we, you know, we win our next two or get seven points out of nine, which I think we are capable of. Or, mm-hmm. or even six points out of nine in out of these next three games, then it looks a lot better, doesn't it? You know, Nor- you know, Norwich are a, Norwich will still come bottom, in yeah. my opinion. Even though Dean Smith's gone there, I think mean, I think the squad's that much weaker. Like you said, it, it's one of them. It's 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 going to be close. Um, if you look at it another way, we've had Brentford at home, Chelsea away, Palace at home, who were you know doing well this season, uh, you know, Brent, Brentford by the little run. We've, you know, we, we've, we've got five points out of those games. If we get five points from our next three games, we'll be out of the bottom three. So you, you just got to quite try, you know, as, as we always do, you know, I know everybody does in here and the vast majority of our supporters brilliant and always get behind the team. I thought it was a really good atmosphere. Again, at the turf on Saturday, hopefully it will be on Sunday. Um, yeah. So you, you just got to keep the faith. It, at the end of the day, this is what it's like being a Burnley fan, in it? You know, it's tough at times. It, it's difficult. I get frustrated at times when we're, you know, when we don't play maybe as attractive football and we give the ball away, et cetera, et cetera. But, 
you know, you know, we're, we're, we are fighting and hopefully like, like we did against the Brentford game, we'll find it where it clicks more often than not and more consistently. Well, what a good place to end the podcast on. That is a good summary. Um, listeners, get in touch. Let us know how you're feeling about survival instincts for the rest of this season. Um, do you feel confident that we just do what we've always done and we survive? Do you think we need to tinker with a few things to get us the points that we need? Um, what do you think the future looks like for Burnley? You can tweet us at known and never. You can leave a comment on our Facebook page or you can email us at podcast at knownandnever.net. My thanks as ever, as ever go to everybody who has contributed to making this podcast, to my colleagues, Rich and Tom, for sharing their views in our lovely little therapy session this evening and letting us know what their thoughts are. Um, to producer Matt for knitting all of this together and getting it out there. And finally, to you, the listeners, for downloading and listening to this podcast. Your support is very much appreciated and we would not be here without you. Dave and I will be back for the previous show on Friday. We'll be looking ahead to Sunday's home tie against Spurs. And the rest of the team will be back next Tuesday for the analysis show, where we are hopefully looking at a fantastic home win against Dirty Spurs. Um, join us then and take care in the meantime. I've been Natalie Bromley. This has been the Known and Never podcast. Until next time. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.